You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. Everybody, it's Marcus D'Angelo, and we're back for another episode of Everybody's Got a Pod. And of course, I'm joined by the Hall of Famer, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Ted, how you doing, brother? Brother, I am doing absolutely marvelous today. Actually, my wife and I later today are going to get in my truck, and we're going to drive to the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and we're going to stay at the Hera uh, Casino and Resort for the weekend. Uh, I love my grandkids, but you know. Every now and then, it's like you got to have a break. <laughs> so Man. we're, we're going to take a break, and I'm going to go probably blow some money. <laughs> Very well earned. You know, Ted is keeping busy uh, going to uh, appearances. And, uh, man, he's on the road, you know, nearly about as much as he was back in the day. So, uh, look, if you follow Ted on social media, MDM Ted DiBiase, he's posting about a lot of these places that he's going to be at. So make sure you go out of your way to see Ted live because, man, he's still, uh, as they used to say back in the day, shitting and getting, right? Yeah, yeah there we go. You know, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not as bad. I mean, back, back in the day, it was, it was every day. I mean, we were just talking about that, but. Yeah, uh, you know the the industry has changed, and uh, and for the talent, it's you know it's 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 better. There's no doubt. I mean, uh, the guys now uh, they work four days a week, and uh, I mean, and they're off three. And uh, it's like uh, I'm happy for them, but I just think, oh my gosh, you know. But uh, you guys need to, you, you, all you young guys need to thank me too, because if it wasn't for us busting our asses, you wouldn't be doing that now. <laughs> Man, just think if you were only working four days a week, the kind of mileage you could have saved on your butt, you could still be working. Oh gosh, it's just crazy. Well, uh, look, today we've we've got a really interesting topic. We're talking about Money Inc. The original plan here was like, yeah, we'll just do an episode about it. And people who follow my other podcast, The Snake Pit with Jake Roberts, though they've they've already come to find that this happens pretty often where I'll start doing the research. And I'm like, I can't make this one episode. There's just too much to cover. So uh, we're going to be doing part one of Money Inc. Part two will be coming sometime soon. But before we get started, I want to remind everybody to get over to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at everybody's got a pod. We did a huge giveaway to, to kick off the show last month, and we have more on the way. All you've got to do to be eligible is get over there, subscribe, and you're automatically entered for all future giveaways. It's that simple. Plus, we have content you won't want to miss there, including YouTube exclusive videos. It's content you can't hear anywhere else, and we try to release one every single Monday. Again, it's youtube.com slash at everybody's got a pod. Subscribe today. 
Well, coming out of your singles feud with Virgil, you'd work with IRS a couple times at live events in late mm-hmm. 1991. But then you're working with the Repo Man at this Tuesday in Texas and at a couple live events uh, as we move into 1992. Putting you with Darso kind of feels random at this time. Yeah. Um, and and the Repo Man wasn't exactly a strong character. Like Barry Darso, <laughs> great wrestler. Yeah. Maybe maybe not the best creative for him. Uh, what yeah. can you tell us about Barry and your thoughts on this gimmick? Well, I mean, I, I, I have uh, all of respect in the world for Barry. I mean, Barry's one of those guys. There are a bunch of guys that came out of Minnesota mm-hmm. that uh, got in the business and did really well. And Barry's one of them. You know, my God, oh my gosh, there's, there's a slew of them. You know, and it's kind of like, uh, yeah. And then, and again, uh, I, I would give a lot of credit to the Burn Ganya territory because that's where they all came from. That Minneapolis was the uh, headquarters of the that that territory and a territory that I never, you know, not, you know, just did, it just didn't ever happen, you know, um, that I would go there and, and, uh, it just, I don't know, just the way things work out and, uh, the way you go, but those guys were good. The Barry, uh, you know, Barry's a great hand. He really is. Um, and, uh, you know, I, no, you know, no criticism there. Just a good guy. Good guy, maybe just not the best creative with the repo man. Kind of a, you know, this. They say that this was kind of the era where Vince McMahon would like he'd be trying to think of a gimmick and he'd be like, "Well, what annoys me?" And he'd be like, "Well, paying paying taxes to the IRS is annoying." <laughs> oh, repo man, those those are, like, you know. Oh, dentist, everybody hates a dentist. So then oh, you know, oh, Isaac Yankum oh, came along. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so just kind of a weird era, transitional era, I guess you could say. Um, you know, you talking about AWA makes me wonder: uh, Did you ever have the opportunity to work with Nick Bockwinkle? With Nick Bockwinkle? Yes. Uh, you know what? No, I knew him very well. Um, and again, Nick, Nick's another guy, major guy. I mean, he he was their world 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 champion for a long time, and. Uh, great guy but i just you know we would like um for example nick was you know the guy that was you know there he was a minnesota guy but he also would come down to like uh houston it's funny houston texas uh it was funny it was it's kind of like and it was like st louis you know like uh st louis was technically part of um i'm sorry St. Louis was technically technically part of the Kansas City territory, mm-hmm. but it was in, an entity of of its own. I mean, like, because the talent that came into St. Louis and worked St. Louis were from all all ter- all the other territories, you know. So, um, and that that was kind of you know the thing with uh, with with Nick Bockwinkle. I mean, and I would the, where I would see him was not in St. Louis, it was Houston, and I, I can't remember why now. Um, he was coming down there and making an appearance. Again, Houston was, uh, again, technically part of, I mean, Bill Watts' territory, but it had been, had it been like one of those hubs where um, I think the guy's name was Paul Bosch. And, uh, in Houston, yeah. Yeah. And Paul would draw the talent from around the country to come in and, and, and do his shows. And so uh, it was, it was just kind of, it was kind of set apart, kind of like St. Louis. And that's that's where I met and 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 watched Nick work, and he's he was great. 
man, it would have been cool to see uh, a match with you guys. I was hoping you were going to say, oh, yeah, there's something out there and I could find it on the Internet. But uh, <laughs> no. it's, no. it's what it is. I know everybody's kind of moving in different directions. Um, speaking of moving in different directions, uh, here in, in late 91, you're moving all the way back out to Tokyo to the Egg Dome for a Super World Sports slash World Wrestling Federation slash Pro Wrestling Fujiwara slash EMLL show. Another one of those big joint shows there in Japan. Uh, it's on 12-12 in front of more than 40,000 fans. You defeat Kerry Von Erich here with a little help from Sherry. Um, so Kerry was a very popular but troubled performer by all accounts. He was here right. in the WWF now as the Texas Tornado. And great, great look. Uh, but, man, just kind of a troubled guy. What what did you think of working with him and of being back in the Tokyo Dome after the great success you had in Japan? Uh, well, I mean, it was it was always great to go to Japan. And, um, you know, but the people would see me in a, in a, in a different light, you know, than when I was there with Stan Hansen. Um, um, but again, that, no, 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 nothing to, no, no negatives about Japan. I just love Japan. I mean, I, I, I've even told my wife, I said, I, I wish, you know, it's, it's been so long now. I don't, I think that anybody that I may have known that was, that lived there, there's Japanese that could have said, Hey, come on over Ted and, 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 I, and, we're, and we'll, we'll take you and Melanie around and show you all the, all the sites. There's, there's nobody there enough to do that, but I would have loved to have done it. Japan is a very, I mean, a, unbelievably clean country. I mean, you could almost eat off the sidewalk. It was just, it's unreal. But, wow. And, and, to, and like Tokyo, especially, I mean, one of the largest cities in the world. Now, you know, you can't say that about New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think you could eat off the sidewalk in New York. No, 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 not at all. Man, that's incredible. I would love to go to Japan someday, and I'm really excited to talk to you more about your time in Japan. Uh, believe me, folks, it's coming up. We've got so much to cover here on the show, years and years of content. Um, so, Ted, here's a report that I haven't heard anything about before, and it kind of cements this idea that Vince McMahon was ready to put you into a tag team. This is from the February 3rd, 1992 Observer. The imbalanced tag team situation, four baby face teams, three heel teams, will be balanced as they're putting Ted DiBiase and Shawn Michaels together, which should be become among the top five tag teams in the world. Then in the very next edition of The Observer, we've got this. While not even hinted at as of yet, there are rumors flying that the tag team title match will send Legion of Doom versus Ted DiBiase and IRS, who are going to form a new heel tag team. IRS replacing Shawn Michaels, who was originally the team with DiBiase, but that idea has apparently been scrapped for reasons which I have no idea about. So, man, the uh, interesting note here from Meltzer, thinking about you and Shawn Michaels working as a tag team sounds just incredible. Do you remember anything about it or why they would have pivoted to Mike instead? Uh you're going to love this, but this is the first I've heard of that. Really? <laughs> Nobody ever spoke to me. Vince never spoke to me. Nobody ever spoke to me and said, hey, you know, uh, you know, I'm trying to, thinking about putting you and Sean together. Wow. There was so... never there was never a conversation about it. So, I, you know, I don't know where uh, the observers getting their thing. They're getting it from high places, I guess. But. You know, when, when that guy knows more than I know, that's crazy. That's a problem. Uh, you know, a, problem. A, a lot of people uh, on other podcasts, because, you know, in many of the podcasts I work with or work for, they uh, they use Meltzer as research. And a lot of times, you know, the hosts will get pissed off and be like, that's just a bunch of Meltzer fiction. 
you know, he's just he's just writing that shit to sell newsletters. But uh, Conrad pointed out, and I agree with it. It's I, I think that Meltzer has got like some inside sources, and sometimes the guys will just mess with him and just make stuff up and see like, let's see if he prints this, and then he then he does. Well, he's well, got kind of okay. well, yeah. hey, and I don't know. Maybe this is one of those instances because you know there was never any you know uh, you know Vince never talked to me. Uh, and you know there was no ever meeting between me and Sean. I mean, Sean and I are great friends. Sean's one of the greatest talents that the, the business has ever had. Uh, but I mean, there was never, never any talk. You know, it's like you know when when Vince came to me, uh, he came to me and Mike and said, "I'm going to make you guys a team." So that was all it. right. Well, it's man, an interesting what if. Just thinking about you and Shawn Michaels as a tag team, I think it really could have worked. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, gosh, with a guy with that that kind of talent, it was just unreal. Yeah. Well, Ted, you're coming off a run as the top singles heel in the company for years, and all of a sudden, you know, as you said, Vince comes to you and he wants to put you in in the tag team scene with the WWF. Uh, what did you think about this transition at the time? Well, I mean, um, it's, it's really not what you want to do. It's kind of like it's. When you've been there, you know, at, at the top and, and done it, but, but everything, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you can only stay there so long, you know what I'm saying? I mean, especially as a heel, uh, um, you know, like with, with your, with your super baby faces, I mean, you know, that's the coming like Hogan, 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 but eventually, uh, everything's got to change and, you know, you gotta, you gotta put new new faces in there. So it was not unusual for you to, you know, you know, stay in the mix, but now you're not at the top. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, um, um, you know, I, you know, I was, you know, I was making, I was making good money. So I wasn't going to, I wasn't complaining. Yeah, that makes me wonder, and it's something that, that I hear a lot about Vince at this time, because again, um, you know, there were no guaranteed contracts at this time. You guys were all independent contractors, and uh, one of the things that I've heard over the years was that Vince generally hated tag teams, because that means that you've got to pay uh, four people for one match, as opposed to two people for one match. And so, I mean, when you're hearing this news, do you think you would have had any insecurity of like, man, you know, like uh, this, this might mess with my money? Uh, I didn't worry about it. Um, and again, well, the other thing with Vince is, you know, like, uh, you know, whether it's said or unsaid, there are certain talent that he, uh, it's kind of like when, uh, when Steve Austin came along and I was, I was managing Vince, <clears throat> Vince put Steve Austin with me. And we call it the rub because I was somebody, I was one of those guys that was, that had been over really well, that had been at the very top. And now I'm a, a manager and it's like putting him with me is going to help elevate him faster. I mean, mm. obviously, and you know, uh, uh, you know, and, and my gosh, Steve took the ball and ran with it. You know, you know, after a while he didn't need me or anybody. And, but I mean, but that's, that was the deal. That was the reason why. It was kind of, we call it the rub, you know, the rub to help somebody to help, you know, highlight them quicker. <clears throat> so, so Vince had a lot of respect for you. So, so you didn't have any fear of like, oh man, he's going to mess with my money. It's, it was always like, Hey, look, he, he likes and respects me. He's going to take care of me. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Ted, seemingly out of nowhere, we have this in the February 17th Observer. In a major surprise, the Legion of Doom dropped the WWF tag team titles on Friday night, 2-7, in Denver to Ted DiBiase and IRS. While it was somewhat well-known on the inside that there would be a title switch involving the two teams before WrestleMania, the fact that it happened so abruptly appears to have been a last-minute decision. So at this point, Ted, your team with IRS hadn't even debuted on TV yet. And you're winning the tag team titles at a house show with very little fanfare and no acknowledgement on TV right away just due to yeah. the filming timing of everything. Um, Hawk of the Road Warriors was suspended shortly hereafter. Do you remember if his issues behind the scenes would have led to such an abrupt change here? Well, and I, I think they did. Uh, you know, and again, um, Hawk was a great guy. I mean, he, he was like a little kid, you know, uh, like a little kid who never... <laughs> who never wants to grow up. Uh, he was really good in the ring, but, you know, he, Hawk had his demons and, and we all do. And so there's, you know, and, uh, but as, as far as working with him and animal, animal was more of the, I mean, he was the animal was the guy that was, was going to have to keep Hawk in line. Mm. Yeah. Animal was the stable partner. And, uh, and it just, you know, um, yeah, Hawk, Hawk went off the deep end. Yeah, Jake mentioned on our podcast recently, The Snake Pit, uh, that Hawk was really struggling with, with addiction by the time his first WWF run came to be. Yeah. Uh, do you remember seeing any of those issues firsthand? Uh, not firsthand, but we all knew it, you know. Mm. <clears throat> man it's a shame uh such a guy such a great tag team i mean despite the issues that they were having you know they're the legion of doom they're, the, they're one of the most over tag teams ever uh what did you think of uh getting to work with these guys oh gosh you know we loved working with them you know it's kind of like uh and that was just it i mean they wouldn't have been in the position they were in if they if, you know if they didn't have a strong presence and 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 a, and a, and a way to get over and so you know, working with them was, was not that, you know, not that hard, you know, and they had, you know, they had been heels and, and, you know, you know, now with you're working with me and Mike Wasunda, you're, you're a baby face. And, uh, I, I can't ever, you know, again, memory, I can't ever remember if they were, you know, uh, did they show up as heels or did they show up as baby faces? I want to say that they showed up as baby faces, but I don't know that definitively. I wasn't watching at the time. I know that they were programmed right away with Demolition when they came in, and I feel like Demolition would have been heels. Yeah, you're right. Um, I, I remember that now. Thank you. Yes. Um, so, uh, by the way, I feel like I should mention this. It's kind of off topic, but it did happen at this time. Uh, in February 1992, Buzz Sawyer would pass away at just 32 years old from heart failure due to a drug overdose. Uh, I've heard a lot of mixed things about Buzz over the years. I know that you spent some time around him. Uh, I know that on Magnum TA's recent episode of Dark Side of the Ring, he talked about how Buzz Sawyer basically tried to screw him out of money, uh, you know, tricked him about when it came to training. Um, what were your honest impressions of Buzz? Uh, you know, I didn't have, I, I had as little to do with Buzz Sawyer as I could mm -hmm. because he was just, he was like as wild as a orangutan, and, and um, you know, um, I don't know. I, you know, I will admit he was. When it comes to wrestling, he was he was very talented. 
Yeah. But yeah, but his but his personality and everything else about him was uh, less than what you, what would you say? Uh, uh, less than less than ideal, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying to be nice here. You know, it's like you know. <laughs> I appreciate you. Uh, you trying to yeah, do the diplomatic yeah, thing yeah. It's him. like you know, I just you know, and and and, and because I saw that, I, I stayed away. You know, I didn't even. You know, I realized the guy could work, but you know, he was just he was crazy. Super talented guy, yeah. yeah. But but yeah, it's uh, I've heard I've heard that kind of sentiment echoed by basically most people who were around yeah. Buzz. Where man, yeah. just off yeah. the rails, off the rail. Well, ten ten days after you guys won the title, the WWF finally acknowledged you at a TV taping on two seventeen. They claimed that Jimmy Hart struck Hawk with his megaphone, which isn't actually what happened in front of the live audience. But uh, now Jimmy Hart was jumping from managing the natural disasters to managing yourself in IRS. The disasters would subsequently turn babyface, claiming that Hart cheated them out of their title shot against the LOD. Uh, you and Mike are both great talkers here. Why do you think the decision was made to put you with Jimmy Hart? You know, I'm really not sure. Uh, you know, that's you know, and I I, I was kind of like, uh, okay. I mean, I mean, and and to Jimmy's credit, I mean, he you know, he he was great on the mic. Yeah. But you know, I mean, uh, I didn't feel like we necessarily needed a manager. But I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was Vince trying to to make our tag team, you know, that much more. I don't know. Give it more. A little uh, more oomph. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, because you know, like Mike's not a bad talker. You know, and and, and uh, you know, I've I've always been you know good on the interviews. So I mean, you know, to be uh, you know to be the full banana, you got to be able to do both. You know, and a lot of times, and I think we I've said this before, a lot of times managers would be given to guys that were great in the ring but weren't so great on the microphone. And so right. they would, you know, they would be given a manager to, to do the talking for them. And in our case, we didn't really need it, but we got it. Yeah. That's why this whole thing really stuck out to me. Cause I was like, they were both really good interviews. Uh, so it's just, it's, it feels bizarre to pull Jimmy away from the natural disasters who maybe weren't so strong on the mic and uh, give them to you guys. But yeah, in any I case, know. it was it was cool, like you know, seeing yeah. you guys come to the ring with Jimmy, and he'd have like, you know, his his uh, painted uh, jacket on with you guys on the back. It was it was awesome. Yeah, uh, it just kind of didn't make sense on paper, but I, I do want to ask. Everybody seems to have one, so let's see if you've got one. Any good Jimmy Hart stories? Uh, well, I I know Jimmy has this thing about being on time. Mm. Oh my gosh. Jimmy shows up. I mean, if, if your flight leaves at nine o'clock in the morning, he's going to be there at seven. <laughs> I mean, Jimmy was just, uh, he was that, that if there was a thing about Jimmy, it was, it was that it was like, you know, you didn't have to ever worry about Jimmy being late because I, I, uh, he was ridiculously early. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, man! I, I don't know, has anybody ever character. said that? I, I have heard that elsewhere, and oh, man, yeah. just just what a character! You couldn't you couldn't ask for a nicer guy. Oh, amazing uh, guy! Unbelievable! Amazing guy! And, I, you know, it's kind of like uh, what was it? What was his group? The Gentries? Yes. Yeah, you know, and uh, 
Yeah, and uh, I talked to him a little bit because I was a big Elvis Presley fan. And when Elvis passed away, I was like everybody else, you know, shocked that it that, that he died so young, forty two. Oh. Uh, and um, if there's if there's one entertainer that I ever would have gone out of my way to meet, it would have been him. Uh, and uh, you know, Jimmy, uh, you know, Jimmy had met him, had been around him some, but I mean. So I always bug Jimmy about Elvis. Well, uh, on uh, the in the March 9th Observer, it's announced that due to the uh, suspension of Hawk, it'll be yourself and IRS taking on the natural disasters at WrestleMania. Uh, let's talk about Mike for a minute. Fantastic wrestler is both an amateur and a pro. Uh, had some success as part of the U.S. Express and the Varsity Club, um, among other things that he's done. Yep. And yep. now he's here in the WWF in a tax collector gimmick. Uh, yep. Do you remember the first time you would have met Mike? Um, well, yeah, I, I, and, and I didn't meet him until he was in the WWF. And oh. so there's, you know, Mike and I never crossed, you know, not, I mean, I can't, re you know, I can't remember ever crossing paths with Mike before the WWF. I mean, and, you know, he, and I, you know, he'd been around a while too. So, uh, but as far as, uh, you know, becoming friends and, and working together, we worked very well together. I had, there was, you know, I don't have a bad thing to say about Mike. Did you guys uh, get yeah. close pretty quickly? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty quickly. You know, um, you know, I was, I was in a lot of ways at that time, still a bit of a wild orangutan in terms of, <laughs> you know, uh, the party life, you right. know, but, but that came to an end soon. So that's, yes. another, that, that's another story. Well, we can chat about that one on part two because I know that following WrestleMania nine in Vegas, there was some fallout, and you'd have to uh, to take some time away. So, yeah. uh, we'll we'll discuss it uh, sometime down the road. But his gimmick, IRS, a, a former tax collector turned wrestler. What did you think? Uh, well, I thought it was great. You know, <laughs> I thought, wow, <laughs> yeah, Scott, what what a combination, right? Yeah, like the million dollar man and the IRS. You know, and like <laughs> what better way to cheat on your taxes <laughs> but you know and he's a, he's telling everybody pay your taxes and uh yeah i thought you know that was pretty i don't know whose idea it was but i thought it was pretty good that's that sounds like some vince mcmahon stuff I'm tired yeah. of paying all those high taxes and uh <laughs> he, he was like you know what i'm gonna clap back a little bit well with you don't thing. think vince has ever cheated on his taxes <laughs> well of course not <laughs> <laughs> but you know and on paper this gimmick it seems terrible like like if you said to somebody in a creative meeting like hey i've got this great idea this guy used to be a tax collector and now he wants to fight people for a living it's like what are you talking about but really like whenever mike uh mike started to do it and do like his vignettes and all that stuff it's yeah. like hey this this kind of works yeah 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 that's what i said we know like you know uh it worked and uh we you know we we had a good run together i can't now you know you probably know because you look into all this stuff how, how long our run was you know I, I think we had the belts we lost the belts we got them back again i i I, I want remember. to say that you guys have won. You guys wound up winning the belt something like three times on and off, and then, yeah. uh, and then you were still a tag team with them all the way up until your uh, your in ring retirement. So like mid ninety three. Yeah. 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 So well, we'll discuss all that coming up. Uh, was it a smooth transition for you to go from being a singles wrestler back into a tag team after so many years? Uh, um, a, a, a little bit, but I mean, it's kind of kind of like, but, but I had always. 
In other words, I was never remembered as being part of a tag team. Right. Prior to hooking up with uh, Mike and, and Money Inc. Um, you know, my, my thing was kind of like, you know, uh, the Freebirds. You know, Michael Hayes and Buddy Roberts, you know, and uh, uh, who's the other one? Um, uh, Garvin? Or no, Gordy. No, no, Gordy, yeah. And Gordy, oh my gosh, you talk about a worker. He was great. Gordy was the best worker on that team. Michael Hayes can talk like nobody's business. And yep. still, he can still talk. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, those guys were known as a team from, from day one, the Freebirds. You know, that was their thing. You know, not, uh, you know, I don't think any of them, well, maybe Gordy. And Gordy probably in Japan. Uh, more so than the United States, you know, had a run as as a singles guy. But uh, by and large, I think those guys were always re remembered as a team. And, uh, you know, I don't think that, you know, I think I am more remembered as the million dollar man, the single wrestler, than I'm remembered as being part of Money Inc. I mean, that's, you know, Right. No, it's uh, I think yeah. you're absolutely right. Most people, when they think of you, they think of, you know, you kicking the basketball and kicking the kids out of the pool and whatnot. <laughs> they're, they're thinking yeah. about Money, Inc. But it is a it is an interesting kind of follow up because, you know, like you're still you're doing the Money, Inc. thing after Hogan leaves uh, the territory. So it's kind of that transition to the new generation era. So like technically, you know, a lot of people think of you as a manager at that time. But really, technically, you were still working during yeah. the new generation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, guys, let's take a quick break to talk about taking care of some serious business. And I'm talking about taking care of business in the bedroom. And if you're trying to take care of business, you need to try Blue Chew. Guys, let's just take a minute to talk about sex. You remember back in the day when you were always ready to go? Well, with a little help from Blue Chew, you can get that thing so hard you could take it hunting. It's going to help increase your performance and regain that old confidence in bed. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready when the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And you want to know the best part? It's all done online. No awkward visits to the doctor's office, no weird conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy anymore. Blue Chew's tablets are made right here in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. But of course, there will be nothing discreet about your package. Look, guys, I ordinarily like to try things before I make any kind of a commitment, you know, because you want to find out, is this actually going to work? Will it work for me? Well, that's good. That's got to be the best part of this whole thing. With our deal, you can try it for a month for free. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. This whole time, you and your partner may have been having the best sex of your whole life and been missing out on it without even knowing. So why not just give Blue Chew a shot? Just find out. You know when you can get it for a month for free with only $5 shipping? It's silly not to just give it a try. Women are attracted to confidence and Blue Chew can help to give you confidence where it counts the very most. Don't wait any longer. Let's chew it and do it. Take advantage of our special deal. Again, you can try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code EGAP at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code EGAP, and receive your first month free. 
Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. Um, well, weirdly, on the way to Mania, you're working a lot of singles matches with the British Bulldog. You're one half of the tag team champions. So it just kind of feels like it would make more sense to have you working with Mike on the way to a tag team match at WrestleMania. But, you know, here here you find yourself. Uh, I know that Jake does not exactly get the warm and fuzzies when he thinks about the British Bulldog. Uh, so I'm wondering how you felt about him and working with him. Well, I mean, I, I, I had no, you know, I had no, no angst, you know, about working with with him. Um, you know, he was a good guy. Um, he was easy to work with, in, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I don't think he was like one of the greatest workers of all time, if that's, you know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, but, I mean, he had the look, he had the appearance, uh, uh, and he wasn't too bad on the mic. Um, you know, it, it, it was what it was. He had all the tools, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, and he's about to have a big match here coming up at SummerSlam. But but right now, we're at WrestleMania 8. You guys are in front of a crowd of more than 62,000 at the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis. You're on 7th, and we've got the final moments of your match with the natural disasters. Okay, shut the referee again, dummy. You're going to lose the title. Your chance at trying to re, uh, win the title. Oh, oh, why don't you just go back I've down to the uh, I've got a headache. former champs dressing no, no, room. I, I got a headache from you. Or should I say X? I got a headache from you. X sounds more permanent. Double clothesline, and I think DiBiase got the worst of that. But they're both down. Or is the big guy falling asleep? I don't think so. Oh, and looking on concerned, he's taking some tremendous punishment so far in this one. See the condition the athletes are in. Take the beating the way they do. Well, Irwin came in, thought he was going to get a piece of a worn down typhoon. Instead, he's got a tiger by the tail in earthquake. Hard into the corner. Close line and a beauty. And another one for DiBiase, who sneaks in. And now all four men are in. Get out of there, get out of there. Make them chase you, make them chase you. Make them run out of gas. Double slingshot together. That's what you gotta do with men that big, make them run out of gas. Whoa! That's not right. However, that's the rule. The only 
way a championship changes hands in a title match is by a pinfall or a submission that did not happen. Therefore, still, World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions, Million Dollar Mind, Ted DiBiase, and I are S. Well, there you have it. WrestleMania 8. Uh, a non-finish, but really, it, I mean, I think it kind of worked for you guys' as characters where it's like, you know, you're screwing the fans out of this opportunity to see you, uh, oh, see you oh, take yeah. a loss. Yeah, I mean, you just made us bigger heels than ever. Like, I mean, they were pissed. Oh, yeah. People were definitely pissed, you know. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, and, and, you know, you think of the other team, you know, well, well we won, but we didn't. <laughs> that, right. Yeah. So. And, and I mean, years later, I, I remember seeing Randy Orton kind of do this sort of thing where, like, you know, he'd be on the verge of losing his championship, and he would like punch the referee or something to get out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, I, I think it's good heat. Um, yeah. But looking back on it, you know, WrestleMania Eight, working with the Natural Disasters, uh, what did you think? I mean, it, it it was what it was. I mean, I you know, I you know, I don't know that those guys ever had the kind of steam, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it wouldn't, okay. I'll put it like this. It's like if, if, if Mike and I were, uh, wrestling the Freebirds <laughs> for, for the world tag team titles, uh, they would think there would be a lot more interest is what I'm saying. Yes. And then, you know, I don't know that the, the, the natural disasters, you know, ever had that. And I'm not taking anything away from either, either guy. I'm just saying, I don't know that they ever had that level of, you know, what's the word? Uh, they didn't They didn't reach that level of popularity where yeah. it would be kind of like a fever pitch for people to see them defeat you you guys as right. heels. Yeah, I mean, like if, you know, if, if we'd have been wrestling uh, Jake and, and Shawn Michaels or something. Oh, then, yeah. You know, oh, my gosh, yeah. But that wouldn't, you know, but it is what it is. It's what it was for the time. Yep, whole other ball of wax. But uh, you know, it was pretty heavily criticized in the Observer, with Meltzer putting most of the blame on on Typhoon, uh, just kind of saying like he he just wasn't really up for the task. You guys would work with them again, and uh, Meltzer would say that the matches were a little bit better, but that's because you, Ted, were were yeah. kind of going out of your way to like bump your ass off and and really kind of make the match shine. Well, so you it, know, and, and again, you know, and this is like Terry Funk was like one of my mentors. And, uh, and he told me, he said, uh, he said, Teddy, he says, he says, you know, especially when you're the, the heel, he says, uh, if you're working with somebody, um, that's not that good. You've got to make up the difference. Mm -hmm. In other words, you, you gotta, you gotta create, you know, you gotta make up, uh, you know, you gotta mix it up enough to where, you know, you, you get the, the effect you want. So. That's what I was trying to do. Well, and uh, it's, you know, these guys were more spectacles than they were like, you know, yeah. great te technicians. Of course, yeah. they weren't great technicians. They're, they're huge. Uh, but, but really, it's, it's, it's about the spectacle. So I don't know. Yeah. People criticize the match. I thought it was good. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, another I mean, I, I mean, I mean I, I'm not against, nothing against either one of those guys. I, I know, but if, <laughs> but if I would have had my brothers, I, I, I would, I would have wanted to wrestle a different team. <laughs> right. I, I didn't put a whole lot in that, in, in that match. I mean, I, I said, okay, but I, you know, I didn't think it's like, Oh goodness. You know, like most of these people came to see this match. No, 
No. And uh, like, look, to your point, if you were working against the Heart Foundation or like uh, the yeah. Rockers or some team like that, yeah. man, you guys would have torn the roof off the place. Yeah. Um, well, another interesting note at this time is that Bill Watts has taken over for Jim Hurd in WCW. Jake had agreed to a deal with Hurd to come to WCW, but with him out the door, Jake is stuck taking a much lower contract from Watts, and he still hates Watts to this very day as a result of it. Um, I've got a lot of people over the, or I've heard a lot of people over the years express uh, some disdain for Watts, but you were pretty, you were on pretty good terms with him, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good friends with Bill to this day. I mean, it's kind of like. Um, I respected Bill for number one for his savvy. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's kind of like it, it was Terry Funk that told me this because I told Terry how much I admired Bill's uh, savvy, and he said, and they said, and he said, he is. He said he agreed with me. He says, yeah, he's really a smart guy. He said he learned what he learned from Eddie Graham, mm. in Florida. But Eddie Graham, who was very highly respected and regarded as promoter, he learned what he learned from Dory Funk Sr. Um, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the chain there. So um, part of that, like uh, we talk about coaching trees in the NFL, it's, there's a, there's like a, a coaching tree almost in in professional wrestling. Every yeah. every it's like a lineage of of what folks learn down the line. And, 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 and again, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I, I will say that I, I've, I've said it to Bill, you know, you know, uh, Bill later in his life, you know, uh, and Bill was kind of a, I'm almost like a bully. <laughs> that's, that's what they all say. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, Bill became a Christian and a lot about Bill changed after he became a Christian. And I, and I actually, I told him, and I laughingly told him, and I said, you know what, Bill? I sure wish you had been a Christian when I was working for you. He said, <laughs> why? I said, because you'd have paid me better. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and that's just, but it's, you know, it's the nature of the beast. It's kind of like, you know, uh, where else are you going to go? You know, you know, once, once again, especially once, you know, Vince McMahon, you know, they basically took 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 over professional wrestling. Where are you going to go? I mean, it's like okay, you're gonna if you're gonna wrestle, make any money, you're gonna have to wrestle for that man. And you know, it's like you don't have a lot of. It's it's not like you're a football player and you go, hey, if you don't give me the money I want, you know, I'm going to go work for them. There's, there's not thirty two other yeah, organizations. Yeah, there's not. Yeah, there's no there's no other organization that you can go to and make that kind of money. And so, you know, it's, it's almost like, uh, take what I give you or, but you know, I mean, there, there was some negotiation, but you know, uh, and you know, Mid-South was not publicly owned. So it's, you know, if you are making more money, that's a direct correlation to Bill Watts making less money. So he is, he is not interested necessarily or wouldn't be interested in, uh, giving a lot of guys pay raises. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on the way to SummerSlam at Wembley, you continue to work with the natural disasters, the Bushwhackers, and High Energy. And on the 720 TV taping, you would drop the tag team titles to the natural disasters when the uh, briefcase sneak attack you guys have been using to win backfired and IRS accidentally clocked you 
Earthquake got the pinfall. Uh, Vince had other plans for Money, Inc. at this point, but by the time we get to SummerSlam, it's the rematch fans have been waiting for between you guys and the Road Warriors. It's a crowd of more than 80,000 fans at an iconic event. Let's watch a short clip of it. Come on, Teddy. Take it to him. Nail him. Nail him. Chop him. Chop that hawk right to the mat. Come on. Hawk to the buckle. And the Million Dollar Man trying to set up. No. Again, reversal. Off the rope. And Ted DiBiase slides to the outside. Time to regroup. Hands it on ringside, shouting, Irwin. This is his name, Theo Fonko. Yes, it is. But uh, he's not all that fond of it himself. Irwin for the rock. Ooh. Oh, down to the buckle. Oh, on the hand. Standing on his tongue. Yes. That's not his tongue. It's his tongue. Can tell from here. I wouldn't put it past him. Look at this. Animal has Irwin in the air. Unbelievable strength and power on the part of Animal. You know, Irwin. Cover. One. We get. That's all they get. Irwin's no midget. He goes over 260 pounds. That had to take a lot out of DiBiase, too. All right, so there it was. You guys put over the Legion of Doom in front of just this unbelievable, unbelievable crowd there at Wembley. Yeah, that's, um, that's the largest crowd I, I ever wrestled in front of, you know, 80,000. Insane, insane. Yeah. You know, you and I talked before about how uh, you saw what happened at WrestleMania 3 with the, with that giant crowd, and you're like, man, I got to get there. And yeah. then you get there, for, and at WrestleMania 4, you're in Trump Plaza, which is like 20,000. <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's like yeah, yeah, okay, I'm the headliner here, but what the heck <laughs> <laughs> but so i mean I, I would say this one made up for it in front of all those fans it's incredible yeah. Yeah. um and what a cool entrance that they had they rode the motorcycles down to the ring and you know they were just super over in front of that wembley crowd and yeah. uh the crowd went berserk there at the end uh do you have any uh memories of the match uh you know not not, not really i mean i just you know uh, uh hawk and animal have always 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 been friends uh, never had any issues with them. I mean, it's kind of like I always told everybody, I said, you know, don't let Hawk, do I mean, he's a real nice guy, but if you ever had to walk down uh, a dark alley, uh, like say in New York city at, you know, sometime or in the early hours of the morning, uh, if you could only have one guy walk with you, it might be Mike extra. Cause <laughs> he was legit. He, you know, you know, he, he was a go-getter. He could, and, but, but I mean, you know, sweetest guy you'd ever know. Yeah. He was, he was a bad dude. And, uh, but, but... and, and, and again, uh, but, but again, it was up to, you know, animal. And I felt kind of felt sorry for Joe sometimes because, you know, he had, he had to keep Mike's oars in the water. And so anyway. Man, we, we hear about that all the time where Animal was really kind of all in on this thing and, and wanted to, uh, you know, kind of squeeze all the juice he possibly could out of the gimmick, especially here, you know, on the biggest stage in professional wrestling. And what's interesting now, Ted, is the real story is what happens after this match. Um, all that hype, all the fan reaction, a giant victory at SummerSlam, and suddenly it's just over for the Road Warriors. Uh, we've well, got this. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, and, and well, that was the other thing is uh... – like I said, you know, poor Joe, poor Joe was responsible, you know, and had to be responsible for Mike. And I mean, and, you know, we went on second 
because Joe realized Mike had taken something and he went to Vince and he said, Vince, he says, I don't know. I don't know if he'll be conscious, you know, by the Man. time we get to our match, you know, that, that, that was the other thing at play there. So yeah, you know, Mike had a serious, serious drug problem. So I, I had never heard that. So that's interesting. Uh, he was, he was under the influence while he was in the ring with you guys. Well, yeah, but it's kind of like it, you know, hadn't really had the opportunity to take it, take effect. Oh, okay. It hadn't kicked in yet. That's why Joe went to Vince and he said, you know, I, I don't think he'll, you know, I just, he's not going to be, I don't know about not, not, I don't know if it's like not conscious, but he might not be functioning, fun, functioning well. So, and, you know, and, and I, and rightfully so it pissed Vince off and that's why we went on, but we went on second. Absolutely. And, and look, after the show, things go from bad to worse. Uh, we've got this from the observer uh, from September 7th. Hawk quit the WWF after SummerSlam and animal is trying is staying and will be repackaged as a singles wrestler. Officially yeah. both Hawk and berserker John Nord disappeared after the show in England, didn't fly back with everyone else and didn't show up at television, leaving no word. Both were suspended for six weeks but word has it that Hawk is fed up and, he, and he's not going back. Ted, do you remember any of this drama? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, it's, I'm sorry, but Mike was like, he's like being a big baby. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's like, uh, again, I felt sorry for, for Joe, for animal. Uh, Cause I mean, uh, here's a guy that's trying to do it right. And, you know, he's got a partner who basically is a nice guy, but just, he doesn't have both his oars in the water. And again, when you're uh, when you're somebody dealing with a drug addiction, you know you you got to get it, you got to get rid of it. You know you gotta you know you gotta make a choice. It's either the drugs or your your career. Yeah, he uh, you know unfortunately uh, Hawk is really putting Joe in a in a bad position yeah, here. Yeah, really, and I felt I felt sorry for Joe. It's tough, and there was so much meat left on the bone for them yeah. in in the yeah. WWF, and it's just all of a sudden. It's I mean, I know that oh. Joe doesn't last much longer after this either, and it's just boom, gone. Um, yeah. So frustrating. Uh, and speaking of frustrating, I mean, you just put them over in front of this incredible crowd, and now it's kind of all for nothing because they're gone. I mean, yeah. after afterwards, are you like, what the hell? Like, are you pissed off? Uh, well, yeah, kind of. It's like okay, you know, we we just you know, put these guys over and for what? Yeah. Yeah. End of the day, it's, there was no reason for it now. <laughs> so frustrating. And, and, and again, that's, uh, you know, and, and, you know, uh, I mean, you can't, you can't blame the, the only one to blame is Mike. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, it wasn't Vince's, you know, doing it. Vince was so, he was hot. Rightfully so. He was mad, real mad. Hard not to be after that, yeah. man. And this is like, this is not too long uh, after the whole, uh, everything happened with the warrior holding him up. And then, you know, I know that uh, he and Jake had issues, which is, which led to Jake's departure. So man, being Vince McMahon doesn't sound like it's always easy, especially in this era with the ring boy deal going on steroids. You've got guys who are having drug issues. You've got guys holding you up. It's like, man, being Vince McMahon could be a bummer. Sometimes it sounds yeah. like.
Um, well, Ted, that's actually going to do it for us this week. Uh, right. The story is far from over when it comes to Money, Inc. We'll continue it sometime in the near future. Uh, but, man, this was a lot of fun today. There's still so much to cover. We're going to be talking about WrestleMania 9. We're going to be talking about that infamous attack with a briefcase uh, where you guys smashed Brutus <laughs> Beefcake's face. So, man, there is so much left to discuss. We will pick it up down the road. Before we go, I do want to remind you all that if you'd like to get this podcast on video with no commercials and get access to a ton of sports, entertainment, and other shows, get over to PremierStreamingNetwork.com and sign up for Premier Plus. RVD has a podcast there with my brother Dominic. Sabu has a podcast there. My friend Efren does the game event. Uh, and if you're a wrestling fan, if you're a sports fan in general, or if you're just looking for some great entertainment, you're going to find it over at PremierStreamingNetwork.com when you sign up for Premier Plus. I guarantee you're going to love it. And, Ted, I'm loving what we're doing here, man. This has been such a blast. What a fun episode of Everybody's Got a Pod. Uh, thank you, man. And as I go, always remember, everybody's got a price for the million-dollar man. <laughs> <laughs> we will catch you guys next time right here on Everybody's Got a Pod.